Yes, that's right, the Chiefs. 1-0 NFL Football Sunday back in your life. Oh, man, I had a lot of fun on Sunday. I know Zach had a lot of fun. We've got a lot to get into here. The Chiefs with a 40-26 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Some good, some bad, some ugly all around. We'll talk about all of that. We'll recap that game against the Jaguars. We'll also talk about the whole Antonio Brown drama that took place. And also, we don't get this opportunity often because the next team who the Chiefs are playing, the Oakland Raiders, they still have yet to play. They play on a Monday night. So we can kind of do a little bit of a preview for that game going into Monday night to wrap up the podcast. So a lot to get into here on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast, facebook.com slash Farzingvasugian. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook at Farzing21 on Twitter at ZStegenga on Twitter for Zach. And make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. And by the way, the voicemail slash text line 913-808-2119. we got a couple of texts that we will read later on in the podcast. A quick reminder, our Mahomes Crunch giveaway winners from this week on Facebook. It was Christopher and on Twitter it was Gary. So congratulations to those guys. We've only got two more to give away. We're doing it this Wednesday, same time, 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. We'll have the post up. Uh, rules are going to be just like last week. So follow and retweet on Twitter. Comment on Facebook. It's going to be comment, tag three friends, like the post, and share the post on Facebook. Again, this Wednesday at 6 o'clock. Only two left. One on Facebook, one on Twitter. Both start at 6 o'clock. We'll give a 48-hour window for that. And then the week after, we'll do our Chiefs, uh, Chiefs Kingdom flag giveaways. Uh, the flags did come out. This past weekend, we got a couple weekend giveaway on there. And I also promised I'll give away a 2016 flag, so we'll do that as well. By the way, uh, I completely forgot about this this week because I had not done this in a while. But we did the Facebook Lives at halftime and after the game. I was just telling Zach this. Uh, obviously, we had, I mean, the, the postseason was crazy in January. And I think from mid-December all the way to mid-February, we had probably 2,000 new followers on Facebook. And obviously, we've had more. Uh, throughout the offseason, we're very close to 5,000, so please invite your friends to that page. I greatly appreciate everyone who came out for the Facebook Live videos. I actually, someone just sent me a message on Facebook. They go, hey, are you going to do a live? Because you never said anything. I'm like, oh, shoot, I kind of forgot about that. So I asked you guys on Facebook. I said, are you guys going to do it? And I, Zach, I've got to say, I'm usually critical of our followers because they only show up for the live videos only when the Chiefs are losing. When they're winning, there are only like 10 people. But now I guess everyone wants to join in and comment on these things. And we have a lot of fun doing it. So join us for that. Uh, and big thanks to everyone who did. I mentioned Zach. He is here on the podcast all the way in New York City. How are you, Zach? I'm great, Fars. I mean, how could you not be after a day like today? Yeah, uh, NFL Sunday's back, uh, which is which is awesome. I, I love when the Chiefs are playing. It's so hard to focus in on other games, um, but when they're not playing, and there are going to be a lot of times when the Chiefs don't play on on a r- normal Sunday afternoon. Which, to, to be honest, I kind of enjoy not just because of the primetime thing, but I love using the Sunday ticket where you can uh, watch multiple games at once or just switch into games here and there. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. That's always fun to do. When the Chiefs weren't playing um, that uh, the late afternoon games, I was switching around uh, watching other games. So it was a lot of fun. I've got to ask. Uh, you said that you were uh, going to a place called a sport, Chief Sports Bar in New York called Smokehouse, correct? So it's called the John Brown Smokehouse of you know John Brown of 
you know, Kansas fame. Uh, but it was, I mean, it's actually like a little barbecue joint more so than a sports bar. Um, but they, of course, you know, have a bunch of TVs with the Chiefs game on. And, man, it was awesome. I walked in uh, due to the trains being a little behind and the fact that I wasn't moving as quickly as I probably should have been this morning. Uh, you know, I got in to the, like, I walked into that place immediately as Watkins was walking into the end zone after his first score. So I opened the door, see that on the screen in the back and the place just goes nuts. Uh, it was awesome. It was just like, all right, I'm home. This is great. Game on. Uh, cause it was, I mean, just completely packed wall to wall with chiefs fans. It was awesome. Uh, That's so pretty cool. Yeah, I'll be a fixture there from here forward. No doubt. So, so that'll be your spot for uh, for 20, uh, 2019. I don't know why. I almost said 2017. 2019, that's your spot. Absolutely. You know, anybody right. you know, listening to the podcast here in the NYC area, you'll find me at the, uh, at the John Brown Smokehouse there in Long Island City for sure. There you go. If you're in the New York area and you need a Chiefs bar, uh, New York City area, that is, uh, there you go. Zach just threw one out there. By the way, I have to ask this before we get into the game. What was the reaction like with the CBS outage? Oh man, no, we were all just, well, now you got to provide a little bit of context here because evidently like there was some snafu with the direct TV subscription that the guy had, you know, going into the half. So we missed like the last, (laughs) that's never good. Yeah. That last, well, I don't know if it was a subscription thing or what happened, but ultimately like it just, you know, bounced out saying like, you know, they couldn't find the channel with the game or what, I'm not sure exactly what was going on, but bottom line, it blacked it out basically. So, uh, you know, thanks to one other very friendly Chiefs fan that I met there. To be honest, I met nothing but friendly Chiefs fans here. I think that that's kind of all we have as as a group, generally speaking. Uh, but regardless, you know, one of them had Sunday ticket on her phone. And so there's like four of us huddled in the corner watching the very oh, end of yeah. the first half <laughs> on Sunday ticket on her phone. Real MVP. Shout out to you, Megan. Uh, but yeah, the place went ballistic for that. And then when it happened again with the CBS outage, the place just was absolutely livid. Because, I mean, oh, at man. that point, like, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, the game was, like, more or less in hand. But still, we were pretty upset with the way that that went down. Just because, like, hey, wait a minute. Like, this is the one spot we can watch the game in the city right now. Because, especially, you know, I think that there will be other times where it's going to be more widely cast, so to speak. But, I mean, especially when you have the Jets or Giants playing, which today the Jets played the Buffalo Bills at uh, the same time the Chiefs were playing. So, obviously, that's the one that gets more run, especially in this town. Uh, so, you know, we figured, you know, that's the only place they're gonna, we're going to be able to see our game. Uh, and to have well, he- those outages, man, we were not happy. Well, here's what's funny. So, this is very common for out-of-market viewers. So, for example, if you're watching... Uh, Okay, like, for example, today, the Ravens and the Dolphins. Let's say you live in Denver and you're watching the the Ravens and Dolphins. Uh, So, because that game was a blowout, they will change the game to something a little bit more competitive. So, James Brown's voice comes on and he goes, All right, folks, we're going to pull away from this game and go to a more competitive game. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm in, I'm within the Kansas City market. Why are you taking this game away? And I thought this was a KCTV5 issue. <laughs> and KCTV5 got lit up because of the whole Tyree Kill thing and now this, oh, which was hilarious. Uh, but it was not their fault. I know I said that on Twitter. A lot of people did. But, uh, by the way, other TV stations on Twitter, they definitely took their fair share of shots at Channel 5 when they thought it was on them. Because do you remember what happened to the KUMU basketball game a few years ago? 
they they had a sunspot outage, and the other TV stations ripped them up for it. And obviously, it was a KUMU game, so everybody's watching that. Um, even if you're not a fan of either team, everybody's watching that in the area. So um, everyone just kept mentioning the sunspot comment. I don't know if you remember that from a few years ago. I but do not. It was a CBS outage, so apparently there was a fire in an electrical box. And uh, that was at the CBS production truck. Essentially, what you missed, uh, Harrison Butker made a field goal. And then Frank Clark got an interception. I've yet to see the video of that. I'll, I'll have to look it up at some point. And then the Chiefs got a field goal out of that. And then the Jaguars got another touchdown. But that was when the backups were in for Kansas City. Uh, I know Matt Moore played, but he never made his uh, TV debut. So technically, Matt Moore did not make his debut. Not until we all see it on, on TV. <laughs> Uh, but there were a ton of Chiefs fans there who did witness it, which is, hey, props to Chiefs fans. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, yeah. Let's get right into the game. I mean, yeah, let's get no, right we got to shout out the fact that we had half that stadium. I mean, I didn't know Chiefs fans traveled quite like that, but good on you guys. Keep it up. Yeah, especially with the weather conditions that uh, I know they dealt with in Jacksonville. But nonetheless, uh, the Chiefs did win 40-26. to Let's start from the beginning on this because... This offense wasted very little time. They got the football first, which, if I remember correctly, in the first nine games last year, the Chiefs did win the coin toss on all of them, and they deferred each time. Not this time in the first game. The Chiefs did receive the football, and in three plays, a minute 36, 75 yards on a 68 catch-and-run play to Sammy Watkins to the end zone. That was the first of three touchdowns for for Watkins. And then on defense, you force a three-and-out you just cannot start a season any better than that right there. No, you really can't. And that was one of the things that, you know, again, out there, you know, enjoying the game amongst a bunch of Chiefs fans, we were all sitting there like, you know, still, of course, hyped from the Watkins touchdown a minute prior. But then we're like, oh, okay, now we got, you know, we got the new look defense for real now. Let's see what we're doing. And, uh, you know, we were all, I mean, we honestly, the place was about as hyped for forcing the three and out as it was for the touchdown, which was, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun, and honestly, like I was in the same boat because, frankly, there's not a better way to start the game, and especially for a team that you know had been. I mean, you know, as Chiefs fans, we generally appreciate some good defense. We've seen some really oh, yeah. good defense over the years, uh, just not last year. Uh, and so to see the you know defense come out and really you know show strongly there, uh, especially that first drive, it was certainly refreshing to see. Yeah, and especially, like, did you watch any of the Thursday night game between the Packers and the Bears? I watched bits and pieces, but to be honest, you know, I, I so I was at work for, you know, the majority of the first half. I was still finishing up some things at the office. Get home, and I turn on, you know, just shortly, you know, right right before halftime was finishing up. And then watched the first little bit of the third quarter, and it was just like, okay, this is terrible. I have better things to do with my time. You guys should have played in the preseason. Let's move on. Yeah, the the you you miss nothing. Uh, but my point in bringing that up is like with how lackluster of a start that was, you know, you see the Chiefs go out there and put up all these points. It's like, man, you you forget about Thursday night right away. Antonio Brown got more coverage Thursday night than that game did. Like that's how bad it was. Uh, we'll get into Antonio Brown a little later, but uh, you know, the Chiefs. By the way, I can't, I don't think we mentioned this in our preview podcast. But uh, I know I've said it a few times this year. The last time the Chiefs went to Jacksonville, do you remember when that was, Zach? Yeah, it was Andy Reid's first game. Andy Reid's first game, 2013, and that was the start of a 9-0 season. I know 
the last few games didn't go as well planned for the Chiefs in the regular season and in the playoffs. But uh, my point is, obviously, that was the turnaround point, and that set the tone. And now here we are coming off an AFC Championship appearance, just short of a Super Bowl appearance. And this team's fired up. I know that video went viral online of Patrick Mahomes, you know, getting his teammates pumped up. And you saw it right there. The Chiefs came to play. Three plays on offense, three plays on defense. Following up that three and out, uh, you had another quick drive. Six plays, 70 yards, uh, but not in the end zone. It ended with Harrison Butker nailing a 28-yarder. Mahomes did miss Travis Kelsey in the end zone with a no-look attempt. Uh, got a little cute there, which he kind of poked fun at himself for on uh, on social media. But the Jags did respond fairly quickly when Nick Foles, former Chief and, of course, a Super Bowl MVP with the Eagles, uh, he found Chris Conley, former Chief, on a couple of catches, and then he connected on a 35-yard touchdown pass, pressured by Chris Jones and Frank Clark, hit by Chris Jones, uh, through that pass to, uh, I can't remember his name, uh, Chark? DJ Chark. DJ Chark. Uh, so he threw that touchdown, which was, by the way, a well-covered play by Kendall Fuller, I mean, I don't know what else you could have done in that situation, but Folds did suffer a broken clavicle, similar injury to Tony Romo, what he sustained, which was unfortunately the start of the end for Tony Romo. But the Chiefs, they kept firing back. Sammy Watkins, his second touchdown of the first quarter. Uh, I wrote second quarter on this rundown. I don't know why, but uh, this time it was on a 49-yard catch-and-run play here. Let me just say this about Sammy Watkins in the first quarter. His two touchdowns were 117 yards. I'm just talking about the touchdowns in the first quarter. Uh, 117 yards there. Before Tyreek Hill was going through the child abuse allegations, there was a lot of talk about Sammy Watkins, who led the Chiefs in the postseason in receiving yards. We don't talk about that often. We should. Then, when it looked like Tyreek Hill might be gone, or at least suspended by the Chiefs or the NFL, the team drafted McCole Harbin, and they were setting up to almost live in this world where we might not have Tyreek Hill. Uh, and I mentioned that because Tyreek Hill did get injured, but we'll get to that in a moment. But for Watkins, everyone kept talking about Watkins. Can Watkins be that guy and lead the Chiefs? Can he be the feature wide receiver? Can he lead this offense? He sure as hell did today, Zach. And with Tyreek Hill being out for probably a couple of weeks with that shoulder injury, and by the way, DeAnthony Thomas returning... McCole Hardman, he he had a quiet debut, no catches. He was targeted once in the game. Kelsey was very busy in the first half. Uh, three catches for 88 yards. Oh, by the way, this was against a very good defense in the Jaguars. And Mahomes played through a sprained ankle. I'm not so sure if I'm that concerned about Tyreek Hill's absence. Yes, I want him to play, don't get me wrong. and He makes a big difference, but you still went out there and scored 40 with Mahomes playing through a sprained ankle for most of the game. And Tyreek Hill missed most of the game. Yeah, and honestly, I was impressed with the uh, with the way that the Chiefs were able to continue you know, being resilient in the face of you know an incredibly chippy defense, um, and especially you know the way that Mahomes was. I mean, he didn't get sacked, but he got he took a lot of hits, uh, and obviously you know had the sprained ankle there. I you know the fact that he toughed through that is impressive enough on its own. But uh, you know, was definitely impressed with the way that these guys, you know, they really came to play and they exploited the mismatches where they existed. I mean, you know, Travis Kelsey absolutely had Miles Jack beat, uh, and I know that you know when we were doing the preview podcast, you know, I mentioned that Miles Jack was going to be tasked with covering him and that he had as good of a shot as really anybody to actually do a nice job on Kelsey. Well, thankfully he didn't do that, and then of course, you know, we saw how it turned yeah. out for him. But uh, was you know definitely impressed with what I saw from that offense and the you know. 
the resiliency and the getting playmakers out in space, which, you know, I know it's not a shock because it's an Andy Reid offense and it's especially a well-stocked Andy Reid offense this year. But uh, it's still nice to see it, you know, come to fruition. So let's move on to the second quarter because it was a pretty lackluster second quarter. Now we got to give credit to Gardner Minshew, the Mm -hmm. sixth round rookie from Washington State. He actually played really well. I cannot remember when his first incompletion was. But the announcers mentioned that he did go 9 of 9 at one point, which had not been done by a rookie for his first nine passes since Terry Bradshaw, which, hey, look, uh, you give credit where credit's due. I don't know what the future really holds for Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars, but for right now, he actually did have a really good game for for the Jaguars. But um, the second quarter was pretty lackluster. Uh, It was just field goal exchanges. Two for the Chiefs, two for the Jags. The story of the second quarter... On the play where Mahomes suffered an ankle injury, which, by the way, the play itself did not look dirty. Uh, he did fumble the football. Uh, so I think Eric Fisher recovered it, or so, someone on yep. the offensive line recovered it. Yeah, it was Fisher. Then a fight. Okay, so then a fight broke out in the end zone. Sammy Watkins, I think he got flagged for this. He, I think he ran into Miles Jack, and then Miles Jack retaliated by pushing Sammy Watkins, in which then Demarcus Robinson got in his face. Jack punched him. That led to his ejection. Uh, then Jack, uh, he needed to be, after the ejection was announced, he wanted to go at it with somebody and he had to be held back by a bunch of guys, players, coaches, managers, uh, doctors. I mean, everyone was holding this guy back. Like he wanted to go out there and do something to someone. I don't know if it was a player or a referee he wanted to go after, but he wanted to go after someone, which he had to be restrained heavily in this situation. Um, okay. Let me just get to this here. Let me say this. This is like Chick-fil-A talking smack to Popeyes on Twitter with the whole chicken sandwich thing. Don't do it. Two years in a row, the Jaguars were running their mouths about the Chiefs because, uh, you know, all of a sudden things weren't going their way. And then in the game, there's that dirty hit to Tyree Kill. And I know you really want to get on that, Zach. Uh, Tyree Kill got hit pretty hard by Jalen Ramsey, in which, by the way, Andy Reid was not a fan of and did mention that in the end zone. Then you had that crazy fight in the postgame press conference. Then in the end zone, you had that fight that took place. And then Mahomes, uh, he taped up his ankle and came back in because the whole fight and the call between the referees, that took forever. But on the following play, do you remember this? Demarcus Robinson caught a pass. And he was gang-tackled, and by the way, pretty hard hit by one of the Jaguars. Mm -hmm. Eric Fisher was pissed and immediately retaliated. That almost sparked another fight. Then the Jags continued this second half uh, until two of their players got hurt on a Damian Williams first down catch. Both of their players, by the way, got injured by their own teammates. Funny how that works. All right, let me say this. You don't have to like... they call that karma in most cultures. Yeah, they do call that karma. Um, Let me say this. You don't have to like what I'm going to say. You probably will not like what I'm going to say, but this is the reality of it. The Chiefs are that team, Zach. They are that team. They are just like the Patriots now. They're like the Yankees. Obviously not in terms of championship success, but what I mean here is that they're now that team that whenever players go up against the Chiefs, they bring it even more. Look at KU basketball. I think this is the best example I can give from a proximity standpoint because KU basketball is that team in college basketball. And I know KU fans hate this, but uh, look, you and I can both acknowledge this as Jayhawk fans and and grads. There's a reason why fans storm the court uh, anytime they beat KU in their own home court. They 
they beat one of the best teams in college basketball out there, and it is certainly a moment that you have to celebrate. In football, it's a little different because it's a far more physical sport, and therefore, if you want to target a player, hey, it's it's a pretty doable thing. You can get away with it too and have a dirty cheap shot here and, and not get flagged for it. Teams are going to bring it even more with, with more tenacity when they play the Chiefs because they want to say that they were able to slow down Mahomes in this high-powered Chiefs offense. They want to be able to have that glory moment. Again, I know people are not going to like hearing that, but that is the reality with this Chiefs football team right now. 100%. And while I don't, you know, I obviously don't like that it's the reality, it absolutely is. And the one thing that I just, you know, get a little frustrated by with this just as a whole mentality thing is the notion that, you know, so things aren't going your way, you know, you're not going to have a great season. Like, it'd be like if, uh, you know, back in 2008 when we were sucking wind as the Chiefs, and we hung our hats on the fact that it's like, oh, you know, hey, at least we blew out Brady's knee. That's great. It's like, no, that's not great. Like, you know, hurting people's not great. It's just not, even when it's Brady. Uh, you know, and in this case, it looked like the Jags were, you know, certainly content with being like, well, you know, I guess we can't slow down Mahomes because he was eating their lunch the entire game. Uh, so, you know, we might as well just try to, you know, blow him up and see what happens. Or, you know, obviously Jalen Ramsey getting punked by Tyreek Hill in terms of, you know, the way that Hill was certainly, you knew who was winning that battle is, I guess what I'll say. Yeah. Uh, and so then, you know, there goes the cheap shot on the sideline, which was an absolutely classless move. It was a late hit, should have been flagged. Uh, and then, of course, the fact that it injures him, it's like, all right, Jalen Ramsey, you're a big man. You lost to a return specialist. Go kick rocks with some bare feet. Uh, so, you know, a little frustrated, obviously, with that. Uh, the Mahomes sprained ankle thing, it wasn't like that was dirty or anything. Uh, but then, you know, Miles Jack and all of it, it was just like, all right, Jags, I get it. You know, you're mad because you're getting smoked and you're, you know, on your home field here and it's the beginning of the season. And don't get me wrong, I absolutely, you know, can sympathize with, you know, getting frustrated and, you know, chippy as a result. But, I mean, you know, there's hitting hard and there's hitting dirty. And frankly, I just, you know, I get tired of the latter. Uh, hitting hard, I'm always here for. Like, that's fine. It's a fa- you know, it's football. That's how it works. But, you know, to hit the dirty hits out of the, uh, you know, especially when it was already out of bounds and stuff like that, like, that's just classless stuff on the part of the Jags. And it really, you know, it doesn't show well on them as an organization at all. Yeah, and I'm this is not our first time discussing this. I mentioned this after the first preseason game when Mahomes took a pretty hard hit against the Bengals in week one of the preseason. And Sammy Watkins, uh, I can't remember who the player was, but he caught a pass and there was some, I mean, there was an aggressive attempt to tackle him. So look, uh, and by the way, to be clear, I mean, we saw Mahomes limp a few times last year and came back strong. I mean, this guy, this is a pretty tough kid. Um, I mean, he's not just good on the field, but uh, his size, uh, for a quarterback especially, it's, it's pretty unique. So he's a very gifted athlete, and you know, look, he's going to... It's going to happen to him at some point. He might have a season where he misses the entire year. It's happened to the best. It's happened to Tom Brady. It's happened to Peyton Manning. And if it doesn't happen, great. Um, But it could happen at some point. For now, hopefully not because of what what, what you could have in the near future. But... This is a very tough kid. And Tyree Kill, same thing for him. Smaller guy, but we see him get uh, slow to get up many times and still manage to come back on the field. And, and again, uh, we'll address Tyree Kill later. But, uh, yeah, you know, they, they are that team. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of 2015 with the Royals where they were involved in a couple of fights because 
you know, the Royals did have this unique way of celebrating. When when a player would have hit a home run, their entire bench would come off and, and celebrate, which is what you see in the high school level. You know, and I guess that kind of rubbed off the wrong way on certain teams. And, and you know, you saw that cheap slide from Brett Laurie on uh, on the shortstop Escobar. So oh, that's a classless name I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a while, but um, you know, this happens to these top notch teams. Whether you're on top for just a little bit like the Royals were, or if you're historically on top like the Jayhawks, or in, in, in the case of the Chiefs right now, you just recently went on the top tier of NFL teams, and people think you're going to be there for a while. Um, listen, this is not a bad thing necessarily. The Chiefs are going to have a target on their backs. It's going to stay big, maybe even grow bigger for a long time. And that's it comes with a territory when you have a superstar quarterback and you're so great. That's just the way it is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I just, yeah. Again, it comes down to a clean, hard hit. That's fine. You're not going to hear any complaints from me on that. It's when it's you know blatantly dirty that I really don't have a lot of patience for it. The running game for the Chiefs, uh, they only ran the ball eight times in the first half, which I was not very happy with. But then they got going in the second half. Uh, and finished, I think, with 21 runs. LaShawn McCoy, man. Some Chiefs fans questioned his signing because he's 31 years old, which is pretty old for a running back. But, man, uh, he did a pretty damn good job in this game. 10 rushes, 81 yards. Obviously, if you do the math, an 8.1 yard per carry average. Definitely better than last year. By the way, he only had two games in 2018 where he had 80-plus yards with the Bills. Oh, I'm aware. He was on my fantasy team last year. I am oh, the, well aware of go. his struggles. Um, but you know what? By the same token, it was glad to see his resurgence. And especially, you know, there were a couple plays out there, one in particular where, you know, it could have very easily been like a two-yard stop. Uh, and he was able to, you know, quick stop on a dime to let the first Jags defender over-pursue, go flying out of bounds. And then he juked out one or two others and turned a two-yard gain into an eight-yard gain. And that was awesome, like, just to see the footwork on that. Um, you know, now I absolutely understand why, you know, Andy Reid was excited to have him back. Uh, and as Chiefs fans, we should be too. Again, I know everyone's going to say one game, which by the way, let me address this for a moment here, Zach. Uh, I've said this before. I know it's only one game, but if you look at what we have right now, we're already 6% into the season. That's not a big number, but by the time the Chiefs and Raiders game is complete in week two, we're going to be an eighth into the season, which, again, two games doesn't sound like much, but it's a lot in, in the game of football because you only have 16 games in the NFL. In college, you have, what, 11, 12 games. In high school, you have a 12. little bit fewer. You, you don't have a lot of opportunities to prove yourself. So you get one win in week one, especially in week one, that does set the tone from here on out. So for LaShawn McCoy, man, you go out there and you get 81 yards against a very good defense, by the way. I'll take it. I definitely will. I, I'm getting some tweets. People are saying, well, he's old. It's only one game. Let's not get too carried away. And look, if you want to have that mindset, that's fine. I'm going to have the mindset of you put up 40 points, and which, by the way, the offense did have some struggles, and I'll address that too. You had 40 points in your 31-year-old running back. He he definitely had a hand in helping the offense move the chains. Absolutely. And, you know, again, like you mentioned, we put up 40 points, which is great. Realistically, we put, could have put up 50 without too much difficulty because we left at least two touchdowns on the field there. Uh, yeah. So, you know, by no means has this offense hit its ceiling. I mean, there were certainly moments that were ceiling worthy, but 
uh, in terms of the consistency there, like there's still plenty of room to improve here. Uh, and you know, it's easy to lose sight of that because frankly, like, you know, the finished product or well, you know, what we got this week anyway, uh, was certainly fun to watch and put up a, like I said, you know, 40 points. So that's a beautiful thing. Uh, it should only serve to excite chiefs fans. The fact that look, we put up 40 points against a really good defense and we left probably 14 points out there on that field too. So yeah, good things are still to come. Let's switch over to the defense because I think this is the part that we were a little curious to see the most. Uh, Okay, let's start here. This Chiefs defense, in my mind, watching them, I was not as frustrated watching this defense as I was last year. Now, they were not great by any means, but they weren't completely terrible either, which I think is a term that we would use to describe last year's defense, uh, minus the sacks. Let me ask you this, Zach, because I'm curious to know if you agree with me on this. I I don't know if you saw my social media posts on this or not. But what areas do you think the Chiefs improved in defensively, and what areas do you think the Chiefs still need to work on? So I think as a whole, just a lot fewer missed tackles, which was certainly a welcome thing to see. Um, I mean, one of those things that drove me nuts last year. I mean, you know, if you've ever watched a game with me, and I know you have, uh, the two fastest ways to piss me off are, you know, unnecessary holding penalties and missed tackles. <laughs> like, those are the two things that just drive me nuts. Uh, and so, yeah, we had quite a few of the missed tackles last year with Sutton's defense, and yeah. that was a very welcome thing to not see anymore. Um, you know, they were wrapping up, they were gang tackling, you know, got flagged for doing so a couple times, but whatever, it's, you know, 2019 in the NFL, so I guess that's just going to be a reality. Uh, but, yeah, it looked like they had really taken some steps forward there. Though that said, I think that we absolutely have some room to improve. Uh, really on the pass rush, I was expecting a little more out of them uh, than I saw this this past week. I mean, there were certainly some moments, but really, you know, they weren't able to get home a whole lot uh, with that pass rush. The Jags did a nice job of bottling up, especially Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Uh, I was really expecting to see, you know, you know, if you had asked me statistically what I would predict for those two coming into this game, I would have given each of them a sack. Uh, because I didn't think that highly of Jacksonville's offensive line. And, I mean, maybe I stand corrected on that front, but I also think that there's some room for these guys to step up as well. Yeah, Jacksonville was playing uh, their third-string offensive tackle, and I thought Frank Clark was going to have a monster game. Now, he did some good things in this game. Um, I do agree with you. Tackling, way better this time around. That was a lot of fun to see, actually. Um, We mentioned Pro Football Focus. They gave the Chiefs the highest uh, grade in the preseason when it came to tackling. So, But that's a preseason. Can that carry over? Sometimes yeah, sometimes no. Obviously, this seemed to carry over for the Chiefs. I don't know what pro football focus. Obviously, we still have some week one games left, but not sure exactly what they would grade uh, the Chiefs from, um, from, from week one. Uh, I'd be curious if that stat is thrown out there. Uh, so we saw some good things, and yeah, our our, uh, our secondary. I mean, there were some positives and negatives there, uh, and Charveris Ward in, in specific. And there was a very uh, unique stat uh, that I want to share in a moment uh, from Next Gen Stats. But uh, I really liked uh, this defense at, at times stopping the run. Sometimes they were able to limit Leonard Fournette. Sometimes not. So I saw some up and down things, but I, I think the pass defense. Yeah, I do agree with you. We didn't see a lot of uh, pressure. Uh, Frank Clark and Chris Jones, I thought they did a good job at times, but 
I think Spagnolo wanted to let the defensive line just kind of take the take that with themselves because he may have thought that the defensive line was going to pretty much get its way with a banged up offensive line, mm-hmm. and obviously it wasn't necessarily the case. Although I will say, uh, Emmanuel Agba he had a, he had the yeah, only sack was in the a game for the Chiefs. One. That was a that nice was good sack. to see. And on the next play. Alex Okafor tipped a pass and almost intercepted the ball uh, right after the Agba sack. Those are two. Yeah, and he almost took who, it to the house too. Th- those are if two he guys. Hung on to the that, Chiefs, that's a touchdown. They acquired them in the offseason. Agba in a trade from the Browns, uh, giving up. Uh, I think it was Kai Kyler. Uh, who who was it? Eric Murray, the safety. I almost said Kyler Murray. Um, no, nope. was obviously not the safety for the Chiefs. Um, and then you signed Okafor from the Saints. Other defensive highlights, Anthony Hitchens. Um, I don't think he had an amazing game, but he sure as hell did not look like the worst linebacker in the NFL like he did last year. Frank Clark got a few pressures, as I mentioned. He also had an interception at the end of the game. Uh, have you seen the highlight for that, by the way? I have not. That was when okay. uh, it had switched over to, I think it was Cleveland, Tennessee or something. Uh, was yeah, one that's, of those, you know, that's when CBS, CBS allegedly switched to a more competitive game, by the way. And then that um, also ceased to be a competitive game shortly thereafter. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny how that worked. Yeah, that was pretty funny how that worked. Um, by the way, fun note, uh, on the uh, Frank Clark interception and the Breland uh, speaks, uh, or excuse me, Bashad Breland fumble recovery, the offense scored off both of those turnovers, got a total of 10 points off turnovers, which uh, is going to be key this year, uh, especially with some of the competitive games you are going to be playing uh, turnovers uh, and scoring off turnovers. That is how teams win, and that is how teams lose games. I'm not breaking any news saying that, because that's one of those areas where you win and lose games the most. By the way, just to give you a timeline when we're recording the podcast, I don't know if you're aware of this. So Zach, I texted Zach before the podcast. I was like, dude, the rest of the games are blowouts. Let's just go record this. The Cardinals came back and tied the game with the Lions. Are you aware of, of the final score, Zach, for that game? Don't tell me they won it. They tied it. It ended what? in a tie. I hate so that a... so much. I'm sorry. Second this year isn't in a row. Second year in a row, we have a week one tie. Um, they both got a field goal in overtime, by the way. So, anyway. That's we'll, uh, just we, frustrating. We can discuss overtime rules for another time. Uh, bad defensive highlights. Charvarius Ward. Ugh. Look, a rough day for him, obviously. He got picked on quite a lot. Next Gen Stats tweeted this out. He was targeted seven times, and every single time, they got a completion 122 yards, according to Next Gen Stats. Um, I'm not, by the way, uh, I need to correct myself. That was still during the game. I don't know what the final stat line was for Charvarius Ward, but that they tweeted that during the game. So, rough day for Charvarius Ward. I, I agree wholeheartedly on that, though there is one thing I'll say in his defense. Um, on one of those completions, uh, D, I think it was DJ Chark, though I could be wrong, uh, You know, he had you know, clearly gotten position on him and was trying to stiff-arm Trivarius Ward, uh, and Ward used that as an opportunity to actually be able to catch him when realistically, like, you know, this was kind of, I think it was in the middle of the second quarter when everybody was a little bit chippy anyway, uh, but... It was kind of funny to me watching that game, watching how DJ Chark was more interested in getting a couple good shots on Charvarius Ward and you know trying to win that stiff arm battle. And in doing so, he had slowed down to the point where realistically, if he had just focused on, hey, end zone, run fast, score, as opposed to the hand fighting with Charvarius Ward, 
uh, you know, he'd have had a touchdown on his hands instead of, you know, what was still a decent gain, don't get me wrong, but uh, it was a nice recovery for Ward on that as well, uh, the way that he was able to turn what could have been a fairly easy touchdown uh, into, you know, at least a stop. I don't remember what happened with that drive, you know, didn't think about that in context, but remember watching it at the time, thinking to myself, like, hey, you know, disappointing to give that catch up, but nice recovery on that. Somebody tweeted me uh, during the game and said, does it concern you that we have a rookie quarterback who almost went undrafted be able to move the ball? Yeah, of course it does. Um, Definitely some things you got to address here. And, you know, Morris Claiborne, he's still serving his suspension. He's got three games left. So uh, we'll see what's going to happen with the cornerbacks from here on out. Kendall Fuller had some good moments, had some rough moments too. So uh, we'll see how how that unfolds. Still hoping that, you know, come week five or six, you see the Chiefs say, all right, well, Patrick Peterson's out there. That would be fun. Let's, you know, toss a fourth round pick to Arizona for that. We'll see what happens. But we're actually going to address part of me that. that would love to see that. We're, we'll talk about that later, uh, in fact, because uh, there are some Chiefs fans calling for that now. Uh, but let's finish up this game. Uh, after taking a 37 13 lead, um, the Chiefs did allow two touchdowns in the end. Uh, after the first touchdown they allowed, that's when the CBS technical issue happened. Um, and by the way, I didn't mind the Chiefs allowing two touchdowns in the fourth quarter because injuries were kind of racking up at that point. McCoy, by the way, did get banged up in the um, in the end of the game, but apparently it was minor and he was okay afterwards. Uh but yeah, with how crazy this game was, I think you know the defense was being more cautious than aggressive given the score at that time. It was 37-13. The final score was 40-26. to So I'm okay with giving up a few points just to get out of this game healthy with who you had left on the field. And obviously McCoy had a little bit of a, a hiccup there. So hopefully nothing too serious moving forward. Special teams... Dustin Colquitt punted only once, and it was a 51-yard punt, which is pretty good. Uh, By the way, we see this sometimes in Week 1, but uh, it was a rough day for some kickers out there. The Indianapolis Colts, uh, Adam Benetieri, he definitely cost them a game, uh, missing, I think, two field goals and a PAT. And the Jets, and they were close field goals, by the way. The Jets, I don't know how you say his name, Kar Vedvik? I'm going to go with Kari Vedvik. Okay, so he missed a couple of field goals, uh, or he missed uh, a field goal and a PAT. Chiefs didn't have that issue. Harrison Butker, 4 of 4 in field goals and 4 of 4 in PATs. Obviously responsible for a lot of points for the Chiefs in this one, which is always good to see. Uh, return, uh, uh, return game, nothing too crazy, nothing too special in this one. Uh, but hey, uh, you had your offense uh, take care of a lot of things, and obviously uh, Colquitt came through with the one time they needed him, and... Bucker came through the one time they needed him. Uh, Hey, look, I know we don't talk about special teams much, but it is a very important part of the game, and sometimes that, in crucial moments, can win and lose you football games. I mean, yeah, just ask the Bears about that. Cody Parkey's sitting somewhere on a couch um, thinking to himself, like, man, if only I had just hit one goalpost instead of both, maybe I'd have a job this year. But instead, Uh, he doesn't. So, you know, it's just how it goes. (laughs) It was pretty funny on Thursday night how fans reacted in Chicago when, uh, I don't know who their new kicker is, but uh, they were all ecstatic when he made the field goal. So that was that was pretty funny to see. Um, all right, some totals uh, in this game. Uh, some team stats. Time of possession. Chiefs had the ball for 31 minutes and 15 seconds. Their average last year was 29 minutes and 11 seconds, which was 26th in the NFL. Penalties. 
far more mature in this game. Chiefs only had five. They averaged more than nine penalties per game last year. That was the most in the NFL. Turnovers, two takeaways, no giveaways. As far as yards go, uh, 428 yards allowed in total. Not great. But hopefully uh, the Chiefs can work on that as the season moves along under Spagnolo's new defense. Red zone. This is where the Chiefs need to improve on the most offensively. The Chiefs were the fourth worst team in the red zone in 2017. Last year, second best in 2018. This game, they were two of six against Jacksonville in the red zone. And you got to do way better than that. That is so my just only. To, just to clarify on that, is that two of six coming away with points, or two of six coming away with touchdowns? With touchdowns, and so we got points the rest of the way. Yes. Yeah, because Harrison Bucker never missed the field goal in this one. I so figured they still got just they still got points every that. time. So, I mean, that's nice, but uh, yeah, would like to see some improvement there for sure. Mahomes had 378 yards and a passer rating of 143.2. Zach, do you know where that, in terms of all of his single games and his young career so far, do you know where that ranks him as far as single game bests? I'm going to guess that's his second best game. Second best for both passing yards and passer rating. You are correct. Second best game. He's essentially second best game statistically he's ever had as a chief. I know touchdowns, that's the bigger number right there. Um, but obviously Mahomes with the yards and passer rating, those Though are important as well. he have his best. Though, in having that 300 and, I believe, 13-yard first half might be a little off base on that step. Pretty sure that's what it was. I do know that was statistically his single most impressive half of his young career, for what that's worth. In fact, uh, to add on to that, he threw 211 yards in the first quarter. The most passing yards in the first quarter since Peyton Manning in 2004. And I don't know what he threw. I heard 204 yards on the CBS broadcast, I think. I didn't write that down at the time. Forgive me. But it was, it's was. it been that long since 2004. Peyton Manning had that. Um, other fun nuggets here. Sammy Watkins, he only had three touchdowns in 2018. He had three today. That was awesome to see. By the way. 198 yards for Sammy Watkins. The three touchdowns and the 198 yards, those are career bests in a single game for Sammy Watkins. And I think CBS mentioned that uh, he had the fifth most receiving yards in a game by a Chiefs player uh, in franchise history, which is cool to see. Obviously a monster game for for Sammy Watkins. Uh, I don't know what else to say about him for that, for that matter. I would say that's, that's player of the week material right there, man. Like he had himself a day. And honestly, you know, I pity two groups of people above all others this week, and that's those who were, you know, I mean, especially speaking fantasy owners here, I pity yep. those who were going against Sammy Watkins and those who had Sammy Watkins languishing on their bench. On their I'm bench, not sure yes. which of those I pity more. It's very close. But, uh, yeah, heck of a game for Watkins, man. And that was just fun to watch, genuinely. I mean, he's a guy who, coming out of Clemson, had, I mean, we knew he had all kinds of talent. I mean, I remember picking him up. You know, in the fantasy league immediately after he uh, was you know, drafted by the Bills, just because, I mean, partially because he was all the Bills had offensively at that point. Uh, but also, you know, just he was so dynamic, and his hands are like flypaper. Uh, and then, of course, you know, some injuries took place, and he, you know, kind of took a little of the shine off him, so to speak. Uh, so it's good to see him getting back to the receiver that, you know, we all thought he would be coming out of school. Uh, by the way, fun fact from the Chiefs uh, PR team, their team reporters, the Chiefs are the sixth team in NFL history to score 40 or more points in Jacksonville. In Jacksonville, the other starting quarterbacks to pull that off, Rick Myrer, 
Craig Erickson, Jay Cutler, Colin Kaepernick, Andrew Luck, and now Patrick Mahomes. Um, so, hey. And by the way, two of them came in the Jaguars' inaugural season, uh, which I believe was in the 90s, if I have that correct. So Yeah, they're uh, celebrating their 25th year, so that would make it oh. the 93 season? Yeah, I was going to say season? 93, I think, was their first year, yeah, in the, uh, in the NFL. So there's that. All right. Uh, let's talk about this. The Tyreek Hill injury. Uh, it's... I want to try hard not to speculate on injuries because that can be a very difficult thing to do. Uh, you never know. Every player reacts differently to different injuries. And also, um, you and I are not doctors. Yeah, that, that is for sure. We um, don't even play what, one on TV. What is being reported out there? Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk said that he had heard from a source that Tyreek Hill does not need surgery. Other reporters did follow up on that report. Uh, Mike Florio did say, quote, he will still miss a couple of weeks. Adam Schefter said he will miss a few weeks. So the timetable on that still not clear. James Palmer did tweet a little bit um, more information on this. So Tyree Kill has what's called, uh, I believe, a sternal... Uh, how do you say this again? Sternoclavicular, I think is how okay. I would say it. I don't know. Might be. I might have put the emphasis on the wrong syllable there, but... It involves sternum and clavicle. Put that together, folks. Yeah, uh, so uh, I I know for sure I miswrote that on our uh, rundown, but I know I wrote it correctly on social media. I corrected myself there. So anyway, that is what James Palmer tweeted, and I think James Palmer even may have mis, um, misspelled that. But basically, that is where, where your clavicle comes into your sternum. That is the injury he's dealing with. It's a rare injury. It's a rare shoulder injury. You don't see that often, uh, but that is currently what he's uh, going through right now. Timetable. We're not sure when will we learn about a timetable for sure from the Chiefs. It's either going to be Monday in uh, Andy Reid's uh, afternoon press conference with the media or uh, after Tuesday, which generally teams don't practice on a Tuesday if they have a Sunday game. Uh, Wednesday, we might know a little bit more, especially when an injury report comes out. So that is your injury report update. Uh, We do have a couple of texts to read, Zach. You ready to get to those? Absolutely. Let's do it. It's one of my All favorite right. parts. Uh, somebody sent this uh, during the game. Uh, if I can pull up the right text. Uh, or maybe I lost it. I'm not exactly sure here. Oh, yeah. Uh, Daniel in Florida uh, from the 626, he said, The curse of the stupid Madden covered. I don't know. I think that was during the oh, Mahomes injury. that was when injury. Mahomes went down, yeah. I saw yeah, that tweeted but- out quite a bit, which, I mean, don't get me wrong. That curse is, uh, I think that was debunked at one point. I forget who ended up actually officially breaking it. Look, um, s- several several players have done well while being on the cover of Madden. I think people are blowing that whole thing out of proportion. I really do. I mean, yeah. I mean, last year, Antonio Brown was on the cover, and he didn't get hurt. I mean, he had some self-inflicted reasons that he wasn't able to uh, put up the same season that he did the year before. But, I mean, it wasn't an injury thing, so... I think we're. I think we should be past that whole Madden curse thing. The SI jinx that's maybe still up for discussion, but it's also been a long time since I bought a Sports Illustrated, so I don't really know. Uh, Daniel sent in another text. He said, uh, "Takes from the game. The offensive line needs to protect Mahomes a little bit better. Defense was decent, but not great. And CBS changed the game on purpose and made up technical difficulties uh, as a story." Okay, look, uh, there are some photos out there about what had happened so i don't think that's that's truly the case but nonetheless we'll move on 
Uh, from the 316, I don't know who sent in this text, but they just wrote 18 more to go. My yeah. my prediction was 19 and 0, so I guess the magic number is 18. I mean, it absolutely would be. And, you know, regardless, you know, regardless if all 18 of those end up being wins, you know, hey, there's still 18 to go, I hope. You know, we got to get to that Super Bowl, so here's hoping that text proves correct. All right, uh, obviously, just a couple of texts there. Uh, 913-808-2119. Please, try not to text during the game, because obviously, you know, things will change as the game goes on. But send them after the game. Next week, because the Chiefs have a late afternoon game, try to send in your text right after the game. But, hey, we obviously have another podcast. You can always send yours in. If you want to send in a text or a voicemail, 913-808-2119, we can do more of those on this week's episode and uh, you can also comment w- uh, with us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Send us tweets at Farzine21 and at Z Steginga. Okay, let's uh, talk about this whole Antonio Brown drama. Let me just, I-, I think everyone knows the story, but let me just set this whole thing up for context. So the Raiders find him for missing two practices because of the helmet drama. $54,000 there. He posted confidential information online, a confidential letter, and the Raiders were not happy about it. That led to this chaotic argument between A.B. and Mike Mayock, the GM for the Raiders. He threatened to hit him, punted a football, called him a cracker, and Vontae's perfect of all people had to hold him back to prevent from anything happening, which is hilarious. So then the insanity spills over to social media. Everyone is going insane about it. Mike Mayock had a 10-second press conference because he did not want to address this head-on, and I understand that. Um, then a quote, emotional apology from AB in which he returned to the team, but that's not where things ended. There was a recorded phone call that he posted with him talking to Gruden and Mayock. That was kind of a weird video. I'm not quite sure what to make of that. The Raiders, however, they fined him for the detrimental conduct. $215,000 AB lost it. And by the way, because it was detrimental conduct, that voided out his guaranteed money. And because of that, Antonio Brown wanted out. He made that announcement on uh, Instagram Saturday morning. And he got what he wanted. By the way, he made $0 with the Raiders. In fact, he actually has to pay the Raiders $269,023. So I don't know. That has to be not just an NFL record, but some sort of labor record where you don't even make money. You pay money to your uh, to your place of work so that's funny in and of itself uh he then quickly signed a one-year 15 million dollar deal with the patriots chiefs fans lost it on zach i was so close to deleting my account on social media because it was the end of the world for chiefs fans by the way lots of chiefs fans said they wanted him to come to kansas city and i get it there's some excitement to steal a player from a division rival and all But it would not make sense to get him given what he just did, especially when the Chiefs traded Marcus Peters and released Kareem Hunt for what they did. Some fans wanted him on the Chiefs just to prevent him from going to New England, which, look, you can't just sign players. You can't sign every pro bowler to prevent them from going elsewhere. You you can't do that. You just can't. Um, So then Chiefs fans started coming up with ideas. They need to respond by going after a quarterback. Xavier Howard of Miami good cornerback there Jalen Ramsey in Jacksonville I know Chiefs fans may not like him but hey he's a name out there and then there's Patrick Peterson who is currently suspended six games and look I don't know how this would work out because you're not allowed to be in contact with suspended players but if, if you trade for him 
you can't talk to him, which is kind of weird. And then when he returns from suspension, he's going to have to learn a new defense. And that can take a while midseason. And that's not ideal. Interesting fact on Xavier Howard. Obviously, the Ravens blew out the Dolphins in this game. And that's putting it nicely, by the way. So Pro Football Talk reported that multiple Dolphins players have already contacted their agents and are asking for a trade. So Zach, I put out a couple of names out there. And obviously this is a Chiefs pertinent story because a lot of people think it's going to once again come down to the Chiefs and the Patriots. The Patriots have Julian Edelman. They have Josh Gordon coming back. And now they have Antonio Brown, which is a pretty good trio right there. I mean, let's let's say, let's say just say it how it is. That's a good wide receiver core. Maybe Antonio Brown self-destructs again. I don't know. But a lot of Chiefs fans want to see a new quarterback come in, understandably so, and I agree with that. I don't know how realistic it is to get maybe one or two of these guys. What do you do if you're Brett Veach? I mean, you obviously just have to keep your ears open, man. I mean, you know, with what you just mentioned about Miami, if that's if that's true, then that's certainly an interesting angle. Um, you know, you figure out you know, which players those are. And if they're demanding a trade, then, you know, by definition, that means that the uh, leverage certainly is not with the organization, right? I mean, everybody knows that the Dolphins are already in a fire sale. We, that was determined immediately once the Tunsil-Stills trade took place. Uh, and I would argue, I mean, you know, we kind of saw the writing on that wall coming into the season anyway. But uh, I think that, you know, realistically... You know, the Xavier Howard thing is certainly interesting, but he's also signed to a longer-term deal. Like, generally speaking, when you see a team sign veteran talent like that, the majority of the time, that's someone who's got, you know, the remainder of the, you know, the current season or maybe one additional year on their deal. Uh, so, in that case, you know, that's where Jalen Ramsey and Patrick Peterson both immediately come to mind. You know, it's like essentially renting a free agent for the rest of the, you know, current you know uh the rest of the current season and while I'm obviously you know my displeasure with what Jalen Ramsey pulled today has now been documented for you know posterity here (laughs) um but (laughs) I you know would he be the best cornerback on our roster the minute he walked in the door absolutely um depending on you know how the Jags season continues to unfold we'll see how Minshew continues to play and realistically I mean their defense is strong and Minshew showed fairly well, so they could very much be in the hunt, thereby wouldn't you know be looking to move Jalen Ramsey. But if things start going sour for them and they look to, you know, essentially take on a little bit of that fire sale mentality as well, you know, there's certainly something to be said for keeping your ears open. And if you're Brett Veach, that's all you can do. You just have to, you know, kinda keep your ears open and uh you know, be able to you know, react accordingly. And not be willing to give away the farm for, you know, just a couple of months of a really talented player, you know. And Veach, I mean, in my opinion, has certainly shown the ability to do that. Uh, So, you know, I understand where Chiefs fans are coming from as far as being upset with A.B. going to the Patriots. I mean, I think we all realistically, once he, well, once the uh, tweets came out that this was kind of starting to go sour, I was like, great. Here we go. He's going to end up playing with Brady in New England. He's going to clean up his act right away just because that's, you know, how they do things. And to be honest, I think that he, you know, I mean, and there were actually reports about this as well, saying that he worked with a couple of social media consultants specifically to fit the bill of detrimental conduct, uh, you know, a little bit closer, if that makes sense. Uh, And I think that, you know, ultimately, 
he wasn't excited about being in Oakland. I think we all knew this. Uh, you know, the Steelers were right in not wanting to trade them to, you know, a division rival or obviously the Patriots. Totally understand where they were coming from there. Uh, but I think AB ultimately found a way to force his way out and get his way. Uh, it, it was kind of weird. I don't know if you saw this, but apparently he has a social media team that films him a lot. There's video reaction of him finding out on Twitter through Adam Schefter that he got released and he runs to his backyard barefoot, starts celebrating. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, do you really want a guy on your team who wanted out that terribly? I mean, I, I, look, I don't know. I don't know what Bill Belichick's going to do. I think, you know, a lot of people could agree. Andy Reid could maybe tame a guy like this. Andy Reid dealt with troubled players before, but, you know, I think given how the Chiefs have handled some troubled players lately, it would not make sense, as I mentioned. Uh, By the way, I I do want to comment on your Xavier Howard uh, thoughts right there. It's a five-year deal, and I don't know how many millions of dollars, but it's it's hefty. It's not going to be easy to do. By the way, and I I see Chiefs fans who are are saying, well, the Dolphins could still pay his cunt. No. They're not going to pay his contract. They're not going to sign a guy to a five-year deal, millions of dollars, trade him, and still pay his deal. It's just that's not how things are going to happen. It's a horrible business move there. Um, and even the Dolphins aren't dumb enough to pull that stunt. No. Look, I know we get caught up in, in, in sports, but we forget there is always this business aspect. Um, look, I'm not really panicking because the Chiefs, when they lost to the Patriots both times— I think the crucial moment was the fact that, well, first of all, there was a D Ford offsides call. There was that. But more importantly to me, the Chiefs got off to terribly slow starts in both of those games. They were scoreless in the AFC Championship game. I don't know what the score was in week six last year, but it was a pretty slow start I, for the it Chiefs. It was very close to scoreless. We may have gotten one touchdown at the end of that first half, but if it wasn't scoreless, it was pretty darn close. Well, but by, by scoreless. You mean the Chiefs were, were, were scoreless? Right, yeah. Okay. Sorry, should have been specific there. No, no, that's fine. I, I do remember the Chiefs got a field goal because Brady went for it on fourth down and he overthrew his intended target and the Chiefs got a field goal from that. But it was low. I I, I know what you're saying. It was a low-scoring game for, from the from Kansas City standpoint. The Patriots had a big lead. Um, look, here's my thing. Everyone kept saying that Tom Brady is going to now be this amazing quarterback with, with uh, A.B. No, how do you say that? He's going to be just fine with or without A.B. Tom Brady had a 25-point comeback against the Falcons in the biggest comeback ever in Super Bowl history without Gronk. So listen, Brady's going to be fine no matter who he has. That's just how things work there. Um, I'm just but choosing he is to... better with weapons. I mean, that's yeah, for sure, for sure. Clear. But he's been better with so many guys is my point. At the end of the day, I'm not really hitting the panic button. I saw so many people panic Saturday afternoon. Me, not so much, man. I, I still I still have the Chiefs as the favorites here. And sure, maybe call it bias, call it whatever, but I think with Mahomes' experience, you're not going to see slower starts as much. Keep in mind, um, Mahomes did not throw a touchdown last year against this Jaguars defense, which is really the same as last year's defense. This year, he played way better against this Jaguars defense. So experience is... Paying off right now for Mahomes, I think. That's that's my stance. No, that's fair. I just think that you know, ultimately, you know, one of the things that has always been a hallmark of Brady's, you know, best receivers has been their incredibly crisp route runners. And say what you want about AB, he is certainly that. Uh, so I think that you know, don't get me wrong, the sky is not falling 
you know, I'm not going to just hand the Patriots the Lombardi Trophy now. That's ridiculous. But I think there is certainly some cause for concern. And, you know, I hate the fact that, you know, it all shook out exactly the way we kind of anticipated, which is to say the minute the thing started going sour, we're like, ah, here we go. He's going to end up in New England. And, you know, I'm not trying to lend any credence to some of those conspiracy theories because I think those are silly. But by the same token, it's uncanny how the Patriots just seem to have a way of, you know, landing on these sorts of guys. It just, yeah, it drives me crazy, frankly. Remember, would you consider Randy Moss uh, probably the best receiver in NFL history behind Jerry Rice? Yeah, that's probably fair to say. Okay, so Randy Moss and Tom Brady once played together. Remember when they won a Super Bowl together? They didn't. They did it. Exactly. So Antonio Brown, as you said, let's not crown these guys. So, you know, they they they, they couldn't even go 19-0 with that dream team there. So let's, just, let's not write things off. I'm not saying, by the way, to be clear, I'm not saying the Chiefs defense is great. It's not going to be pretty. We're going to have some ugly moments. But, uh, and by the way, we're not going to hold teams scoreless. I, I think Chiefs fans are wanting to see zero touchdowns the rest of the year. That's just not going to happen. Um, so we'll have some hiccups here and there. But I think this Chiefs offense is so great that we'll be able to get through. We'll be able to get through. Uh, all right, let's wrap things up here real quickly. Uh, let's look at the AFC West. The Chargers, they pull out a narrow win in overtime against the Colts. Jacoby Brissett, not too bad, man. Not too bad. I'll give him credit. The Chargers had a chance to seal the game in regulation, but Rivers threw an interception in the end zone. That allowed the Colts to come back to score a touchdown and succeed on the two-point conversion, but they lost in overtime. Austin Eckler, filling in for Melvin Gordon, had a hell of a day. The Colts, they could have prevented overtime with uh, some of those missed field goals and PATs that Adam Vinatieri struggled with. Um, So, like I said earlier, with some of the kicking woes, Indianapolis, I brought that up. That's what could have uh, helped them prevent overtime. Uh, but the Chargers did go 1-0. The Raiders, uh, again, we don't get this opportunity often. The Raiders and the Chiefs play Sunday, but the Raiders did not play yet. So we can kind of talk a little bit about the Raiders for just a minute or two. They play on Monday Night Football against the Broncos. That'll be the second of two Monday Night games tomorrow or today, depending when you're listening. Zach, what are you looking for the most when you look at this Raiders football team as the Chiefs get ready to play them? Frankly, I'm now, especially with this whole drama with Antonio Brown, really I want to see how they're able to come out and execute on the offensive side of the ball. You know, who are their playmakers going to be? Uh, and are they going to be able to set aside all of this ridiculous sideshow distraction that Antonio Brown has represented and really be able to lock in and get down to business and, you know, do so against what's a very tough Broncos defense? Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what sort of offense the Raiders are able to come up with. I mean, they've got some decent pieces. I mean, you know, Darren Waller, their tight end, is, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if you watched any or how much of Hard Knocks you watched. but uh, I saw it. You know, he's certainly got some athleticism to him. Um, and then they've got Tyrell Williams, who was, you know, incredibly talented as a deep threat for the Chargers. Um, so they've got some pieces. It's just going to be interesting to see how they all fit together and if that offensive line can keep Von Miller off of Derek Carr's back. Uh, that's, I guess, the biggest thing I'd be looking for as a Chiefs fan. I think defensively they've got some talent too, but I don't think it's you know going up against this Broncos deep or Broncos team. I really don't think you're going to get a clear enough read of what their defense is really capable of because 
the Broncos offense isn't looking too sharp, um, at least on paper. I mean, I know they've got Noah Fant, but uh, you know, realistically, I don't think they have enough of an offensive line in front of Joe Flacco or Drew Locke. I mean, I know Drew Locke's out for the first like eight weeks or something, but I yeah. think he'll get some starts by year end for sure. Uh, but bottom line, I don't think that they have quite the offensive line talent to keep their quarterbacks upright yet. I just don't. Um, so I don't think that it's going to be a good enough read of where Oakland's defense really stands. They might come out looking pretty strong at the end of that Monday night game, but I think that this one's going to be a pretty tight game and that, uh, you know, it's, it's anybody's game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if the Raiders are able to come out and really execute on the offensive side of the ball, that's going to be something to watch out for as a Chiefs fan, because like it or not, Broncos do have a better defense than we do. That's just a fact. Yeah. Uh, you know, here's my thing. I, I said this in our preview podcast for the 2019 NFL season. I said, look, I'll give the Raiders the benefit of the doubt that they could be competitive in a lot of games, especially if Derek Carr and Antonio Brown could have this dynamic offense. Not as dynamic as Kansas City's, but obviously that's not even going to happen at this point. Um, yeah, it, it, here's the other thing, because uh, did you see any of the uh, John Gruden press conference? I did not yet, no. Okay, so that was on Saturday afternoon because they practice Saturday because they have a Monday game. Uh, John Gruden, uh, he he answered a couple questions on the on the Antonio Brown thing, but after a while, he kind of cut off the media and said, "Look, I just want to talk about my football team." Which, okay, fair, but you don't get to decide what reporters can ask and not ask either. Uh, I remember Andy Reid tried to do that uh, in the Raiders post game after the Kareem Hunt thing happened, but that's a story for another time. Uh, he made a funny comment, by the way. He goes. At least I met Antonio Brown. I never met Khalil Mack. Ooh, that <laughs> so is that was, not a great... I mean, like, it's a funny comment from anybody other than a Raiders fan, but, like, that's not a great uh, thing to read or hear if you're a Raiders <laughs> fan at all. Like, that just... Oh, that stings, man. Like, at least he has a sense of humor about the whole thing. Um, look, I mean, you kind of have to. I mean, how can you not? Like, you deal yeah, with this absolute, you know, mercurial athlete who has more talent than he knows what to do with, but he's also a head case. I mean, you can't... The only thing you can really do is laugh. Otherwise, you'd just get way too bent out of shape and get upset about things. So I honestly kind of admire Gruden for that piece because, I mean, I did catch you know, the part where he said you know, that they had... Uh, you know, it's like, look, we've been over backwards for this guy. We did everything we could to get him here. Yeah, but they did. at this they, point, they tried. Yeah, we tried. It didn't work. Let's drop it. And I think that's the other mentality he has to take with his team, without a doubt. So here's my thing. For for, for, for me, because this whole thing has been so insane, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a distraction. It, it was a big distraction. How are the Raiders going to respond on the field on Monday and on a short week preparing for the best offensive team in football in Kansas City? I'm curious to know how that is going to go over on Monday night and then on a short week for the Raiders. So that is what I'm going to be curious to see the most on Monday night. And, of course, how their offense is going to look without Antonio Brown. There you have it. That is our recap episode. NFL Sunday is back, Zach. NFL Sunday is back. Uh, anything else you wanted to add before we wrap things up? Nah, man. It's just good to have football back. It's been, you know, I mean, to have real football back, especially. Like, the preseason, it's just not enough. So this was, yeah, it's just good to have it back. We're going to do our uh, preview episode on Thursday, so that will be a lot of fun. NFL Sunday is back. Your Sundays are back 
to normal. And as far as this podcast goes, obviously not going to do any closing set. We're going to try to split up our closing hits, um, our, our some of our segments. Uh, we're not going to do any of those this Thursday. But what we will talk about Thursday, obviously we'll preview the Chiefs and the Raiders. Also, Jared Goff got a big contract and Mahomes is in more commercials. What kind of a contract can we expect Mahomes to get next year? We'll talk a little bit about that. Also, Brooke Pryor, no longer the Chiefs beat writer for the Kansas City Star. She has moved on. Uh, I have a couple of comments on that. I know, I know I'm, I, I don't really particularly care too much about it, but a lot of Chiefs fans do. Um, I do have a few things I do want to add about that. So we'll talk about that. Also, more from week one. Impression surprises from week one. We'll talk about that. And, of course, we'll preview the Chiefs and the Raiders. It's Raider Week this week. All of that. Also, a reminder, the Mahomes Magic Crunch giveaway, our last giveaway for the Mahomes Magic Crunch, will take place Wednesday on Facebook, 6 o'clock Central Standard Time, and on Twitter. So, Facebook.com slash Farzine2 again, and at Farzine21 on Twitter. A big thanks to all of you who joined us for the Facebook Live. Follow Zach on Twitter at ZStekinga. And then in the near future, in a couple of weeks, we'll do Chiefs Kingdom Flag giveaway. So stay tuned for all of that. For Zach Stegna, I am Farzim Vesugian. Thank you all for downloading and listening to the episode. Subscribe, share the links for the episode. Until then, we will talk to you on Thursday. Enjoy the Monday night doubleheader and the rest of your week. Talk to you Thursday.